Welcome back. This is Voices of the First Gen. This is Elizabeth. Hi, everyone. I'm Julissa. So we're back after a, well, I guess we can say a long hiatus. Um, we kind of started season two and on, went off track thanks to this pandemic back in March. Um, so we're trying to just pick up where we left off. It has been a lot of unpredictable stuff, um, as you all know and have experienced. And so we kind of had to get our ducks lined in a row in order to begin again, because uh, we were really just trying to figure out what life was going to look like. And mm -hmm. due to us not being able to see each other, um, we have been just, you know, separated <laughs> for a long yes. time. Yes. <laughs> so... I am working from, right now I'm from home. Where are you, Julissa? <laughs> I actually am, well, right now I'm home, um, but I work at my actual facility. Nothing has changed for me except for school. Mm -hmm. Nothing at all. I've had to go to the facility. Um, my two colleagues and, my, and I um, have been the real like, constants at our facility, um, but there's been a lot of transitions. Mm -hmm. a lot of transitions but um i think i only worked from home during the riots um two days out of the week just because things were a little shaky and i didn't want to get caught on the freeway um in the middle of not the riots. i'm sorry the um yeah the protests mm -hmm. um i didn't want to get caught in the middle of the freeway in case of anything i call them uprisings i use that Uprising. word <laughs> for me i, like I use that. uprising yeah sorry, that's my that's my um camp lingo <laughs> <laughs> yes so um i wanted we want to be able to come back and reintroduce ourselves if you haven't heard of voices of the first gen go ahead and check out season one episode one where julissa and julissa and i talk about how we met and the reason why we started voices of the first gen but ideally it's it's a support network um and also having real talk about the lives of first-generation uh, professionals and students and what that means. And for today's episode, we will be talking about the experience of working through a pandemic. And so if we go flashback or rewind back to when uh, it kind of started, or at least when you got the news, right, when this all started, um, we'll go way back then. So, Julissa, do you remember that one day or do you remember the day when it just like kind of happened? No. You know what? It feels like a whole other lifetime ago. It genuinely feels like, mm -hmm. I mean, just 2020 feels like it has been <laughs> a whole year in just three months. I just remember it being around, I think it was like March 15th or so. And just getting news like, hey, people were all on lockdown and this is a time frame and you have to wear a mask. And it was just an immediate shift. Um, and I worked 10 hour shifts. Mm -hmm. So my shift overlapped with the lap lockdowns. Um, mm -hmm. So I remember just being really just like, oh my gosh, what's going to happen if I get stopped? And, you know, there was a lot of talk about the military being around if you weren't 
actually home during the lockdown. So there were a lot of entities at play and a lot of like really? information. Yes, I, um, I had colleagues, um, not immediate colleagues like within my department, but um, like the security guards that are hired by a different, um, like an outside uh, agency, they were all given letters and they were told like always have this on you because when you're driving from work to um home if you get stopped you have this as proof and they were just telling me like do you have a letter like make sure you know because the cops can stop you and they can get fined or go to jail or um there may be deploying out military yeah. so have it on you or have your badge and i remember like oh okay i haven't heard this on the news like who's right who's wrong i would ask my supervisors they're like no that's completely false like we don't need to give you anything um but just you know wear your ppe put your mask on they we got like Clorox wipes and we got all kinds of things to protect ourselves. And then people were just not coming to work. Just a lot okay. of people just stopped coming to work because of natural fear. So yeah. there's a lot of shifts. I just remember there being a lot of chaos and our supervisors being, having to take a really active role. I'm very blessed to have very active supervisors and supportive supervisors yeah. who were just, you know, on it sending us text messages making sure we were okay but also mm -hmm. like hey what shifts can we make to be able to support the team because at the end of the day our young men who happen to be incarcerated during this time need all of our support yeah. and now we're having not only like young men here but we can't have any transferred over and probation officers are testing positive it was it was i just remember there a lot happening yeah, and, um, and let me let me go ahead and, and ask just so our listeners um, know a little bit of your background. Where do you work and what do you do? Just so they know what we're talking about here. Yes, yes. Um, <laughs> thank you. Good, <laughs> good point. <laughs> so I'm a therapist at a boys camp. Um, so I work with incarcerated youth. So I'm in a system in a, a locked facility system um, where I work with probation officers, where I work, I, there are security guards, um, teachers, uh, those of us who are part of the mental health um, therapists uh, group and other entities that come on board. Um, so that takes a big impact just because of, you know, there's been a lot of advocacy for youth to be released back to their communities as well on the contrary, right? That us advocating for youth not to be released early because there's a lot of chaos and they are, that instability wouldn't um, really help our clients per se. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, that is where I work. Okay. Um, so there was a, there was, there's a lot because probation officers, you know, like we all go home and come back and it's a hub and it's an ecosystem. Um, so there was a lot happening and I work for the county. So different entities were taking different protocols. Yeah. Um, so some people were being deployed um, as disaster service workers. Mm -hmm. um, but because I'm in a facility where I have to be there, I was one of the lucky ones that didn't need to go. But if need be, I would have to Like we were even asked, would you go work, um, with like, the homeless uh, population mm -hmm. on your days off because they're in dire need of assistance. Mm -hmm. Um, so there were a lot of entities, a lot of chaos, a lot of questions, a lot of mm -hmm. what do we do? And, you know, as adults, we require some type of, um, stability, but it was even harder to you know, stabilize a lot of our youth because they didn't know what was happening. And, mm -hmm. you know, teenagers, 
Um, they think they uh, can really take on the world. Um, so they're like, we don't care, just let us out. If I get the COVID, just give it to me. Did they know? And did they know, like, the, the youth who are in the camp, did they know what was going on outside? Yes, they were very aware. Um, mm -hmm. Because they saw that, and they were quarantined several times. Um, because, you know, a probation staff tested, neg uh, sorry, not negative, positive. Mm -hmm. So that they were all they tested and quarantined and it was really tough um because you have we have clients of all walks of life so some of them are very much like what's going to happen with our family members why can't we see them and we, unfortunately we have youth who have not seen their family members for months because of covid like family visits stops family therapy yeah visits outside research coming in stops so it was really really difficult um and they were aware of, you know, COVID-19 hitting. They were aware of the uprising, right? The protests, the riots, mm -hmm. looting, however we want to um, categorize. That was they a little bit more towards like, like May, April, May, right? I'm jumping ahead of myself on that. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah but, you know, that's kind of like what I went through in the beginning. Um, but mm -hmm. how about you? Because I know you're at a clinic. Yeah, so like I mentioned right now, specifically, I'm at home right now um, after work. But if I go back uh, to to March, um, like the day that you mentioned, right, I wasn't even in the country when when that was going on. I was somewhere else where the numbers weren't high, like you weren't really hearing about it. I was in Mexico. And so you weren't really hearing people weren't taking it seriously. They're like, is that really true? You know, um, what's going on, you know, over there. And, and keep in mind that I was going into a, a pueblo that is like somewhere where it really doesn't have contact with. I mean, there is, but not as much. Okay. Um, but it was a big it was like a big festival that they had that that day there. And as I was going down, like, hold up, maybe this was not the right decision of coming um, when this is going on, right? But I'm already here. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm just hoping that I have nothing and I'm not breaking. So that was my fear, right? And since I wasn't here in the States, I was checking up on social media. I was uh, on the airport when I was coming back. Um, there were a lot of flight cancellations. So I was, uh, I stayed in Mexico I think it was like two days more in one night just because my flight would get canceled multiple times. So I, wow. for just a little bit, I wouldn't have made it back because they closed the borders. Oh my God. <laughs> so that was the pre, right? The pre when everything was um, kind of shut down. And then as I came in, into the workplace, um, which is what Janice was referring to, I work in a clinic in a health center. And so just you know coming back and having to implement different policies for telehealth because suddenly everything stopped the in-person visits just stopped and everything went into telephonic televideo um but actually televideo didn't come into play until maybe like a couple of months ago it, that first month it was all just telephonic people were trying to figure out um as one of the lead clinicians um one of my roles was to figure out how to implement telehealth in the clinic and this is where that networking and building relationships came mm -hmm. so handy because i had i i was able to reach out to individuals who worked in other places just to get an idea of what they were doing what they are doing uh to be able to get myself oriented as to like okay what would be the proper 
um, protocol, but also following our ethics and legal mandating. So it was quite an interesting start. Uh, chaos, like you mentioned, was just part of personal work, everything together. And when we're both in roles where we're supposed to be the people who are is supposed to have it together and be able to be there for our patients and clients, right? That takes like an extra uh, layer of uh, duty, of stress, yeah. right? So, um, you know, that was that's kind of something common that we're hearing among our peers, mm -hmm. um, among first generation professionals, where you are now in the field, but you're also trying to figure out, you know, healthcare for your family. You're trying to figure out what does it mean in my workplace, new, new, adapting yeah. to new things, right? So I think it's, it's, and that first month was honestly like a big change, but something that I think that works well is that adaptability that I think mm -hmm. that we've shown in the workplace and what I hear from other people that mm -hmm. it keeps us together, right? That resilience and being able to bounce back. Um, and so mid pandemic, right? If we go into like April, May, now when we go into like more of what we're hearing about the news of the, the protesting, yeah. the uprising, right? People mm -hmm. getting so frustrated and angry. Um, yeah. So I heard you say something about, uh, you know, that they were, the kids were still, the, the youth were still getting information, right? So what was that like for you? Um, so because I work at a, you know, with incarcerated youth and naturally by this, just, you know, what gangs bring. And there's a big just rivalry between Blacks and Latinos. Mm -hmm. um, it brought a lot of fear. Mm. And it brought a lot of fear because I remember that Sunday. Um, I think it was a Sunday where it all started. Um, or Saturday. I don't remember. It was that weekend. I remember it was a weekend that it started, but I worked Sunday through Wednesday and I remember coming in and just being like, okay, God, um, I hope, I just hope we don't have a riot. Mm. Um, because there's a lot of comments said amongst youth that, you know, can be derogatory and a lot of anti-blackness sentiments. And, you know, we, that's our population is black and brown. That's just reality. Occasionally we'll have, you know, a Caucasian individual or someone from the Asian American um, community, but um, mostly black and brown. So it, it was, I was really scared because when you don't have a lot of probation officers on ground and when you don't have a lot of clinicians on ground, anything can happen. And we did have a few riots. Thank God it wasn't related to that. Um, but realities were that I knew that it could have been just one comment that could just trickle something down and it can be a whole thing with a lot of youth mm -hmm. and people get severely injured. Um, and I had conversations um, with a lot of my youth and amidst the pandemic, right, we still, we still try to keep those relationships with the youth because they already have, you know, really bad attachment issues. So, you know, taking the precautions of meeting with them in person or calling them over the phone. I personally was, I'm, I'm going to meet with my kid in person. We'll take the distance. I'll wear the mask, do what I have to do to keep both mm -hmm. of us safe. Um, 
but because that human connection is not the same via telework mm -hmm. and via phone call. And when they know that you're there, it's just a different essence. So having those conversations with my youth were really important mm -hmm. about one, like their thoughts about, you know, comments that have been made. Um, I had actual kids who were like, we might just have a riot because, you know, forget X, Y, and Z. And I was like, please don't. Like, <laughs> this is not what we, this is not what it's supposed to be about. It's us. Internalized. Yeah, a lot of internalized messages. Um, and it was really, it was really tough to see that. And also it was really a great opportunity to teach the boys a lot and being like, you know, we're all human beings at the end of the day. And let's really break this down. And you know, there were some of my youth who were a little more mature who had conversations about their thoughts about the looting. And, mm -hmm. you know, um, they, you know, they have histories of, you know, breaking and entering and robbing people at gunpoint and doing very severe things. But a lot of them, surprisingly, or a good portion of them, the ones who are a little more, um, you know, cognizant of certain aspects of life, um, despite this being part of their history, we're kind of like, that's not okay because what happens to the employees who are working there? Mm -hmm. What happens to people? Like we're in the middle of a pandemic and, you know, my family's not working. So there's like a lot of things that really connected with them, which was a great learning opportunity. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, just, I took advantage of the situation, but it was really scary mm -hmm. um, because, you know, I think the role of me, one, being a woman in a facility with boys, teenage boys who I call, you know, um, they're kind of like baby vampires. They have a lot of strength. You know, their mm -hmm. testosterone levels are higher. They're creative. Their impulse control is lacking. So there's a lot of negatives that can go by. And, mm -hmm. and I was scared. I was scared. And not only like, you know, like you mentioned, right, we have this whole layer of having to be flexible and adaptable during COVID. Mm -hmm. as it is already because we're the people who ground people right and we mm -hmm. who grounds us is a question and i think yeah. that's a question we can address later um but having to even worry about like okay where's my family traveling to um just locally mm -hmm. i hope nobody comes into my house or you know creates anything around the neighborhood because mm -hmm. the reality is that i have a lot of immigrant families that you know I know can be impacted by this negatively so what does that look like in terms of their safety um yeah. so yeah that's kind of where i was at mid-pandemic and it, it just it, that's the only time i teleworked because my anxiety was so high i was calling my family every single day like at, at least multiple times a day being like are mm -hmm. you guys okay did so and so come home um did they cut caught up anywhere and, and it was really it was really you know triggering yeah. aspects that um, sense of unsafety. It's definitely a lot of safety. Sense of unsafety. Yeah. yeah. The sense of unsafety. Um, it's like, like you mentioned, right? Um, I'm, I'm from South LA. Julius is also from South LA. So we're both um, in a community where, like, like what she mentioned, like there has been uh, traditionally this clash between the Latino community and our Black community. And so, you know, hearing these messages, like even when I've been talking to patients, like during that time, um, because we had to close the clinic because we had some providers who live in downtown or live, you know, somewhere else that um, just to get there at, in, at enough time to be able to you know, get back and then come back to work. 
um, because we had a curfew, right? I think it was some days were four, some days were five. You would get that alarm on your phone. We yeah. didn't even know what was going on, right? So like what you mentioned, like you were trying to get home, right? <laughs> and right. that and district. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That part was hard. One percent yeah. Hollywood was one o'clock, I believe. One, I don't remember if it was one. Was that like on a weekday or weekend? It was on a weekday, one p.m. at noon. I can't remember, but I do know that that week, all that week, or the week where it was like more heavy uh, with uh, anything going on in downtown. I'm really close to downtown, um, but that that week I did stay home. So we did all my work I did from home, and for me that was a big change because all this time through the beginning of the pandemic, I was going to the office. So for me, it felt like I was able to connect with even my coworkers, even if it was distant, it was like, take my, you know, uh, temperature, but at least I got to say hi to someone, right? <laughs> and I was like out there somewhere. Um, but I know that my sister was working from home. Like she worked through home throughout her, I think it was like first two months or, or yeah, I think it was the first two months. So she was just home until they were allowed to come back into the office, which was basically like what a, a month ago or two months, a month and a half ago, maybe. I think it's been that. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, during those times, it's, um, hearing it from patients, you know, that clash between, um, both, uh, communities, but also having myself to become more self-awareness having more of that self-awareness about where do I stand on this, right? Mm -hmm. What kind of internalized beliefs have I been having throughout my childhood and teenhood living here in South LA when all I saw in my middle school were fights between both communities, mm -hmm. right? Um, I'm here from South LA, so the there was this one time where there were a lot of fights at Jefferson High School where it was, you know, black with, um, with the Latino students. Um, mm -hmm. And so, you know, having kind of like that, having that trauma, you know, come back up mm -hmm. uh, for not only myself, but for many, many other people that may, are maybe like my age or even, you know, older because I we were going to them. Yeah. Experience being asked pick a side pick a side no that no I, I did <laughs> I, I experienced as that as a 13 year old um, wow. at my middle school because there were big rumbles you mentioning right, there the rumbles at Jefferson High School there were rumbles when I was in middle school 12 13 years old and being yeah. told pick a side wow um, even at my workplace by youth being told or being asked Miss, why do you talk to them? They're not our kind. Mm. Um, and by different cohorts of kids, mm -hmm. not just one cohort. And yeah, it's, it's, it definitely. It's an ongoing. It's not even like. Ongoing. Okay, yeah. It's like an ongoing thing. It's an yeah. ongoing conversation that it's so present in our, in our community and it's so internalized. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so this is all through a pandemic. Meanwhile, we're in a pandemic. We have this situation with racism coming in and police brutality and a yeah. heightened sense of unsafety and, you know, having to hear the helicopters being your community where you know you're like hearing and hearing the sirens it becomes really traumatic for a lot of families and 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 people who have experienced this kind of trauma like community violence right mm -hmm. and even something that my sister brought up um is that you know having 
to go to work, for many of our communities, having to go to work, get the bus, but also having our streets militarized because that's what it was, right? It was militarized downtown. Um, that sense of unsafety when you have immigrant families or first generation, um, you know, DACA uh, recipients who are in the verge of a like uncertainty, you know, there's like so much added stress that individuals, ourselves, have been experiencing. And so it's like having these conversations is so important because we've got to process these things. Um, and uh, if we keep it all in here, it's, it's going to cause more stress and more panic. And there has been a, a surge of mental health uh services like we're getting calls and calls and calls and you know every day we're just seeing patients hearing patients and we're not seeing them we're like listening um but also through televideo so you know it's been quite it's been quite some stuff 2020 it's been our journey and i think you know and you touched on a lot of like the key points right like there's been a lot of um uncertainties i think also are, are really impacting our mental health and it's also, you know, like the femicide that's happening and yeah. the different oppressions and really, you know, battling like whose safety actually, you know, matters and who's considered an essential worker and all these labels. And mm -hmm. there is so much. And, you know, the internalization, the fear, the, the triggering of individuals who do come from other countries and have experienced traumas and have experienced those real militarized communities Definitely. that are now reliving that, right? And we're reliving that. And mm -hmm. the, the suffocation and the feeling trapped. And that's so difficult. And, you know, I think something you did also touch on was the fact that, you know, us as first-generation one professionals um second generation immigrants mm -hmm. you know we're navigating these systems and we're learning as we go and then yeah. you know there was a lot of you know false information on the latino news and there was a big movement on that in the middle of this right of being like you know these spanish newscasters are not giving the right information or mm -hmm. you know are not keeping up to date and i remember seeing these big these big things on social media and a lot of conversations happening but how did you go on with psychoeducating your family or did you find yourself needing to psychoeducate your immediate family mm -hmm. um because i found myself having to do that a lot so that, mm -hmm. that would be my question for you how did you i not convince them but like you know convince them <laughs> Oh, and you like, have to wear a mask, you know, wash your hands. No, you can't go over to your comadre's house. <laughs> yes, man. Like, you know what? I think, I think for us, um, it wasn't that hard. <laughs> immediate, <laughs> immediate family, not that hard because my parents don't, wouldn't go out at all either way. <laughs> oh, okay. wouldn't go out. <laughs> my mom's not working anymore. My dad does not work either, but he's a high risk patient he's he's a very high risk patient so like he knew like we're staying in here we're not going out I think where it was difficult was maybe more of my extended family like letting them know like hey this is serious right there's cases um I mean advocate well advocating definitely advocating for our community navigating the healthcare system I think is one of the things that I've been doing um more like so in the last month because we're hearing more of like the deaths right and we're hearing of people being hospitalized and so i feel like it's 
it's part of my role to be able to step up and have to communicate between the provider and the family, maybe because I have that experience in working in the healthcare um, kind of industry or, or profession. And so like, I kind of know like, hey, you know, this is the care plan or what's your care plan or, you know, what is the medication and where is the social worker or where's the case manager, right? Mm -hmm. So I think this is where like our role you know, like we yeah. went through school, we're learning all these things, we're in the profession. Mm -hmm. Now it's like, how are we giving back to our community or how are we supporting? Um, but then at the same time, it's like, we can hold everything on our backs, right? Because we also need to take care of ourselves. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, there comes a time where I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to give up. I'm not going to repost this. <laughs> right? like, I'm just tired right now. I'm not going to do it. You know, just I yeah. need time for myself. But yeah, I did find myself having to advocate for like what it means to be in a pandemic. Um, I want, I'm curious to know what happened on your side. Like it sounds like family was like... <laughs> resistance. A lot of resistance. It's not true. You know, a lot of the narratives I heard was like, look, we come from a country where people get sick and die all the time and there's viruses and stuff that there's no cure for yeah. and we've lived through it. So what is another virus? Mm -hmm. um, and there was a lot of that on my side and a lot of like, you know, look, I've made it this far, you know, we crossed the border, <laughs> you know? Um, and it was really hard because even to this day, like, you know, I'll have, you know, my mom just not walk with the mask on and she's a high risk patient. Mm -hmm. um, so and it's it's ongoing because for me it, it rose a lot of anxiety right like oh my gosh it's gonna happen am i going crazy am i having somatic symptoms i want to bring it mo to mom um and really like educating them a lot about like you have to wear a mask no you cannot go to the carne asada mm. no you cannot believe all of them you know all the friends that they have not gone with anyone else because if they're mm -hmm. doing it with you they're gonna do it with other people it's mm -hmm. important to wear the mask because of whatever wash your hands you have hand sanitizer have you You're educating them yeah. very much educating and breaking it down and it was really like being with a teenager um mm -hmm. and ironically right i work with one <laughs> with uh, many um but it was really like saying you know no you know it's shut down right now you can't you can't go out anywhere um and granted you know I've taken trips, but it was more like road trips. So, you know, keep to yourself, none of that, clean mm -hmm. everything, sanitize. But mm -hmm. it's been a lot of that psychoeducation and a lot of kind of breaking, you know, the news like, you know, guys, you're not, you're not invincible. Um, I was going to say that it's the mentality of, or, or the belief. Yeah. Yeah. That belief, um, like I'm invincible. I've been through other viruses and famine and, you know, all this make it and also you know the the whole you know how um they're like i won't believe it until it happens to someone i know <laughs> like even then and even them seeing it actually happen to people that we know yeah. you know sometimes you're minimizing that like no they're just making it up they just have the common flu and it's it's one of those things that it was really hard to really have to go through that and and even make like on my end having to say the narrative like you know what if you don't continue if you don't start protecting yourself mm -hmm. i'm going to have to be okay to coming home and one day just you possibly contracting it and finding mm -hmm. you dead 
Like there's some really tough words because there's a lot of grief and loss happening on all levels right now. And, you know, it's scary to think of family members, especially those who don't listen, who you love and care for a lot and be like, if you don't care for yourself, I may actually, you may actually be dead in the next few weeks Mm -hmm. because of, you know, lack of responsibility or lack of knowledge or lack of not, like just not wanting to understand it or Mm -hmm. denial. And I tell a lot of my kids, right? Like denial is not your friend. And that's exactly what it has been. And, you know, it was also particularly hard because, you know, transnationally, there's mm-hmm. a lot of different things. So even having to educate, you know, family members in Guatemala. Definitely. Um, yeah. Having to have that conversation, having to hear those hard stories of like, people are not dying from COVID here. They're dying because we have no food. Mm. They're dying because we have no money, because there's no resources, because they've closed borders in every little sector that people yeah. are not getting food and, and their essentials. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's been a lot of that those moving pieces mm-hmm. really difficult um yeah no <laughs> very common no very common I think what you're touching on is super common because like I hear that a lot like we're taking on this this role I'll start from where you mentioned you know like you're we're taking on this role as educating our parents educating our family members very close and, you know, um, maybe not so close, but it's something really common that I hear. I I work with college students as well, um, providing the behavior health aspect. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I've heard throughout. Like I am, you know, anxious. Um, Parents or siblings are going out, right? Um, And so now, you know, we're, we're having to be that voice in letting them know like, hey, this is reality, this is what's going on. But it's yeah. just, you know, it could get it could get frustrating if people around us are not following um, the safety guidelines, right, that we believe in or that we believe could help protect our community because Latinos and, you know, people of color are the ones who are being um, impacted by COVID the most. Like the yeah. greatest deaths, I, you know, if I, we pull up the, the numbers, I think the last time I looked, it was Latinos were like the second um, of, of deaths that were going on um, here in California. And so even just thinking about, you know, what it means to our community, it's, it's so heartbreaking because it's like you try the, the most that you can to be able to educate them, but in, at the end, you know, they make their own choice and they they make their choices, right? Their choice that they make, but we're here to support them and hoping that they will listen to us. Um, right, absolutely. Yeah. And to kind of piggyback on some, yeah, comment of like, you know, Latinos are the second and the highest and, you know, also our Black community mm-hmm. is experiencing the highest deaths, but, you know, I do want to point out something that I actually saw um, Ellen Pompeo, um, she is an actress in Crazy Anatomy. Um, yeah. I don't know, and she did, <laughs> and she did a two-piece series of um, on her Instagram about you know disparities within like healthcare, mm-hmm. and they talked about um, her herself and two um, black women whom whose names I can't remember, but one of them, you know, they were talking about COVID, and one of them said you know, there's this narrative that the Latino, well, particularly with the Black community, right, are getting a high number of um, COVID-19 cases and testing positive. But also, you know, in those narratives, it is forgotten that the Black community 
a lot of them or the, the majority of them are essential workers mm-hmm. and i think the same goes for our latino community mm-hmm. um and i just want to make sure that i quote that it was hers it's, this is not an idea that flourished from my brain but that mm-hmm. took that really you know stuck to me because i'm like this mm-hmm. is right a lot of our community within the people you know of color are essential workers and of course they're going to be higher numbers because they're working at the grocery stores they're working at the factories they're doing you know construction work they're doing all kinds of work that's exposing them and who's there to protect them they're not they can't get ppe really easily sometimes you know and people don't care to wear a mask and of course those who have social media have seen all of these you know videos of like the karens right and the karens can just be swept around different arenas but just like other individuals who have literally actively chosen not to wear a mask and not to take mm-hmm. any precautions because they do feel invincible mm-hmm. um, I think, and that and i think that's a really key thing to remember like yeah they're high numbers um, and it may be very much right because many don't want to go by the the rules of the CDC guidelines, who guidelines. Mm-hmm. But also, you know, a lot of our population are essential workers, and they're exposed every single day to all these different people. And mm-hmm. you know, those are in the immigrant community, work in factories or other places where their bosses don't care. Yeah, I was going to mention that. I think that it also comes from, you know, the organization or, or the, the policies that are in the in the location of how they will take care of their workers. Because I think if, um, you know, if people would follow that protocol and they would enforce certain things, then it could help, right? It could help that worker. Um, even though that worker is there working, um, it really does come a lot from leadership too. And I think, and, and now that I'm thinking about it, I'm like, man, I, I'm kind of glad that I'm I'm in a health center because mm-hmm. that means that we put like extra steps and making sure that we follow like certain guidelines. Yeah. But then, you know, I'm hearing other places like other offices, you know, offices where maybe they're not aware of, you know, what, what, what protocol, like the medical protocol, mm-hmm. right? Of checking temperatures and making sure like mm-hmm. asking these questions, right? So I think that, that's where these disparities come in because oh, the safety protocol maybe might not be put in place. Um, so yeah, there's just so much going on and, and we're in a pandemic. We're going through it. Yeah. We're, so much uh, going on. It's, finished. So it's not done, right? We're still in it. And um, just, but, but reflecting back on that progress, that process of, the start to the now, like just really shows how much, you know, we've we've been doing for ourselves or even for the community. But even knowing um, knowing what we can learn from it definitely. Uh, so it's it's been quite an interesting experience. It has that's been. the thing because it's so different, because it's so new. Uh, people like you mentioned, we're in denial or in shock. It's the normal stages of grief, of loss, of change. Everything, right? Everything. And you know, I think, going back to that one question, right? Because like you've mentioned, we carry all of this. We've, it's, mm-hmm. Being a social worker isn't easy, as well as being a healthcare provider, as well as being, you know, um, the teacher, the mom, like every, any role that we take, especially those of us who are actively within community, we can be, you know, we're the essential workers that can be at risk, a higher risk um, mm-hmm. to be contracted. But, you know, part of us 
being part of and in the hiatus was trying to figure out right <laughs> what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, we, we kind of lost touch and we didn't, you know, there was a lot happening and you know, there was a lot sure. of stuff that needed to happen and a lot of different things that needed to be done. Mm -hmm. Um, so my question, you know, was earlier like how you know, as we're taking care of all these people, who took care of you, Elizabeth? <laughs> Let me see. I was honestly in survival mode. Like, that's what it was. I think, you know, we were in survival mode and just trying to get by, trying to make sure that, you know, I had work stuff done. Um, you know, I, yeah, I was in survival mode. That meant that, you know, I would just get home and all I wanted to do was just lay down because I was just so tired because I was holding so much, right? But yes, there came a point where, you know, it came up to here and then I'm like, okay, no, we got to start doing something for yourself. Right. Mm -hmm. So honestly, I think family has been super helpful for me um, because I was able to process this with them in more in regards to the experience. Um, I think having my sister and her also being in a, in a helping kind of profession, um, but also like in a, in a politics kind of world as well like we're so into this activism and social inequalities and all this stuff and so that was you know that person who i would go to um i would call we we had like some zoom parties uh with my friends right so we would connect for birthdays because that also changed right so i think having yeah so having that connection and being able to see ourselves was helpful but i honestly just i limited myself to like the people that i'm just very more close to um and so that's what i did eventually when the nature was opened again <laughs> hiking trails was opened again yeah. <laughs> i went back there <laughs> i went back to the hiking and that would that's what's honestly what fills me and helps me be more at peace because it's so important to take care of ourselves if we don't we're giving 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 our battery is going to run out and you know how are we going to go back um to that workplace yeah. family um yeah. so that's what's been helping me what about for you um i think uh for me so i kind of work the opposite i um i'm a workaholic when things are going wrong so instead i like I accepted another job. I started <laughs> another <laughs> podcast with my sister. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, Patoja's podcast. If you guys want to check that out, feel free. Um, it's just a fun, fluid thing. And then hey, I, kept busy. <laughs> yeah, I literally kept myself busy. And, you know, I had, I'm, I'm so blessed to have my supervisor because she was just, she's super grounding. So she was very present and she was a person that I would go to a lot. And my therapist, I, my therapist got me through a lot of things, got me through, you know, the beginning of the pandemic, the anxieties, the fears, the, uh, you know, the inconsistencies. And she was my, con my consistence, my mm -hmm. constant, I mean, um, and you know through the whole like george floyd and what that mm -hmm. meant for me and you know vanessa guillen and um Brianna taylor and you know all all these other folks right um and through a lot of my own triggers and traumas because uh being locked up you know in in so many words was really hard but mm -hmm. you know i picked up um like you know i tried learning roller skating but i fell once mm -hmm. so that was a bit like i went back to hiking just like you did yeah. i um went back to like my like hardcore working out 
you know, regime, started mm-hmm. taking a lot of vitamins. Um, it was hard at first, but you know, I'm getting used to it just because physiologically we need vitamins in our body mm-hmm. to be able to protect anything. So it was like, oh yeah, this might be a great idea. Um, mm-hmm. Get some vitamins, started working on my finances. It made me feel better and, mm-hmm. you know, like tried running and, you know, doing art. So trying to do different things um, mm-hmm. just to really, to really stay grounded. And I binge watch Netflix like crazy and I'm sure everyone else has mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it really pushed for me to expand the genre of <laughs> the movies and the shows I've, I've watched. Me too. I'm on that yeah. too. <laughs> um, and um, I started listening to podcasts as well. And, and you know, mm-hmm. Trevor Noah's podcast made me laugh so many times. Like it really has gotten me sit through some rough days mm-hmm. as well as watching shows like Las Chicas del Cable. Um, mm-hmm. you know, and trying to be like, oh, I want to learn that side of Spanish. Like, Castilian sounds great. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, yeah just Spanish doing all of that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> my sister, wine nights and popcorn days. Like, let's do this. <laughs> mm-hmm. And you know what? We actually did an episode. If you want to all check out, we did an episode about self care before the pandemic. <laughs> and so that was um, interesting because we, you know, we talked about these things. And we were going through something, um, but eventually we, you know, we used all of these things that you're mentioning because we had mentioned it before. Yeah, um, <laughs> that's so true. So you know, yeah. it's pushed people to try to go back to basics. Mm-hmm. That's what I keep saying. It has pushed people to go back to the basics. Mm-hmm. Um, roller skating has been out like for a long time. Bike riding, like people are doing things, puzzles. I see a lot of people doing back to basics, bringing back, you know, plants. I have oh, yeah. I love plants. <laughs> you love plants. Yeah. You're, you're a great plant to them. <laughs> Yeah. I'm a, yeah. I've killed so many plants. It's been ridiculous. Yeah. But I have one. My bamboo, it's actually growing. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. And so that is the point of this episode, right? To just yes. really reflect back on everything that has been going on in the last, what, four months? I think it's four months. I don't know, 20 April, years. July, yeah, four months. It's been four months, right? And it's so it's so normal to go into that survival mode because it's a stressful situation that Absolutely. we have not experienced. And so it's about having that uh, patience with on, oneself because it's, 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 you know, it's something common. It's something normal. It's a normal response. But it's... Mm-hmm. Um, if it's reaching out to someone, if it's going through, you know, the Instagram feed, trying to, you know, find different ways of being able to cope with the stress, um, we, I think we highly encourage um, to find those things that um, will bring that sense of balance um, and trying to figure out what that is, um, is by trying it out. And if it doesn't work, we go on to the next one. Um, and so this is, right, our, our season three episode one and we are back and we're gonna you know want to stay back on track and getting these episodes back up for everyone uh so it's something that we're gonna continue doing yeah absolutely so stay tuned take care of yourself be forgiving and you know practice a lot of grace try something new um because really there's no better moment and um you know for those of you who have, you know, are needing a lot of support, reach out for support. 
Um, but on the flip side, I have, and this is, I like to touch base on this always. Mm-hmm. I've seen a lot of memes or a lot of posts saying like, you know, you know who your real friends are right now. Um, and if they don't reach out to you, they're not your real friends. I just want to say that that's not true because all of us are going through something. So if you're on the flip side and you're like, I'm so sorry, I cannot answer the phone. That is okay. That is part of self-care. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, um, for those of us who are first generation on a lot of aspects, that boundary can sometimes be pushed a lot. So, um, mm-hmm. stay tuned because we'll be continue giving me messages and, you know, continue posting on our page. Um, but also we just want to send a lot of love and support and kindness to everybody. Definitely. And so tune in to next episode, um, episode two coming up soon. Um, check out our stories. Um, check out some of those posts, some awesome, awesome quotes that Julissa puts up. <laughs> um, so tune in. <laughs> She's not soon. Happening. All right. All right. We'll see you in the next one. Bye. Bye. Bye.